So today I'm talking with Joe Rosso, and who is president of Blaine Canada Limited and is here at the UEDA conference, Utility Economic Development Association conference. And Joe just finished a presentation yesterday on something called 3x3, three three, talking about the need for talent acquisition systems and understanding what's going on in the talent world. Joe, yeah. can you kind of fill us in a little bit on a 3x3? Three three? Sure, Dean. Thanks for uh, having me. Um, it's been a great conference and a lot learned here uh, at UEDA. And uh, I got the opportunity um, to work with uh, Janet Aidy and, and her team at Aidy Advantage. Um, we've been working for about a year now, having a lot of conversations around talent strategies. Mm. And uh, that's uh, uh, there's a lot under that, that, that title. Um, when you think about workforce development and talent. And so some of the biggest, um, I think, issues initially is, is how do you structure something, a conversation around that? How, mm -hmm. how can you help economic development groups? Like here at UEDA, we have the Utility Association uh, members in economic development and workforce and talent isn't their core focus, um, but they're being asked to take uh, a major uh, piece and a role in that in some form or fashion. So. Uh, Jan and I started talking about that and said, we, it'd be nice if we could help as associate members, the UEDA members on this issue. And one of the things that came to mind as we were putting together this was uh, this idea of this three-by-three three approach, uh, with, the, with the first three being um, kind of a basic structure around talent. What are the, what are the major components? And, and they tend to be uh, recruitment, uh, thinking about recruiting talent into a market. Uh, and the other is the retention and development of the people that you have, whether that's you know, pre-K right up to lifelong learning. Uh, and then the third, and sometimes this uh, gets a bad rap, but it's the reality of the world, and that's automation, or mm -hmm. all alter alternative ways of getting production done. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's that, that first part of that three by three is, is, are those three distinct areas. And then the other three are within those distinct areas, First, who are the, what I call, Tier 1 organizations? Those groups that, um, if they don't, they should have an X on their back, meaning that they should have a, a leadership role and a, at least a partnership role. Um, the first is pretty obvious to a lot of folks, and that is um, the workforce system itself, the workforce development system uh, in markets and across the country. The second is um, um, what I call the, um, the people who tend to be the closest to business and industry, and that are, those are your chambers of commerce, your economic development organization, business development organizations uh, uh, with, within a marketplace. So what are those, what are those um, or and I guess the third um, uh, would be uh, associations, uh, diff different entities that, that can uh, engage and uh, in, in, in the K-12 and, and higher education system. So those three tier one entities, um, if what are they doing? What's their engagement in this framework, this, this automation, this recruitment, this retention development uh, framework? And uh, the, the, the second kind of component of that second three by three, besides knowing who the tier one organizations are, really becomes um, what, what approaches are they taking Meaning, are they taking a supply-side approach or are they taking a demand-side approach? And historically, at, at least at a federal level, state level, and down to a regional level, for decades, a lot of the focus has been on supply-side. It's been on the individual. 
um, and uh, our belief is is that uh, a demand side approach is the right approach to take, understanding what the needs of companies are, or actually individuals acting as companies, which we're seeing more and more, mm -hmm. right, with the freelance economy. Um, and, and so how, first, it, it, is your market looking at this from a demand-driven standpoint? Are these tier one organizations focusing on this? And then, if they are, then start asking the questions of what are they doing against this this construct of recruitment, against this construct of retention and development. What's actually going on and what, uh, what role then um, are they playing and then what role are they asking in the case here with the uh, utility industry, what role are they asking them to play mm. in this? And, and then and the last piece of that second three by three, um, so understanding the tier one obviously is the first, the second is, is what's the reality versus the structure and then and that's the second. And the last is, um, what about alternative ways of work? What about automation? Um, and as, as you and I know, being in the industry for a while, a lot of times, uh, all times, people work towards the incentive that they're being paid to do. And in economic development, whether you're a chamber or an economic development group or what have you, a lot of times the incentive is jobs. But Automation is not necessarily a hard, raw number job creation. It might be really beneficial to the people who have those jobs as automation continues because they tend to take more skills. And, mm -hmm. but, but I think we're running kind of counter in our argument to say we're after jobs, but we also know that automation is in some way going to displace certain jobs. Mm -hmm. um, so in the case of this three by three in that last piece, I think it's really important uh, for, in the case of here at this conference with the utilities, that we include in the conversation this piece on automation. We don't put it to the side. We don't poo-poo it. <laughs> it's here. And we have to do something uh, in, in kind of thinking about the bigger workforce system of how that gets integrated. And of course, you and I know from just listening to the folks at uh, BNBW here in Greenville, Spartanburg, where we're at, um, you know, they, they showed a lot about how their people are working with the automation in their plants, um, and that's going to continue. Mm -hmm. Where do you see the, the talent issue going next? Right now we're, we're seeing a lot of economic development organizations struggling with finding the talent necessary to fill their available positions, let alone attract new companies. Um, where do you see the talent issue headed and uh, what, what's the ultimate outcome of it? Well, that's a, that's a big question with probably a lot of different directions. Um, you know, I think, I think one is, um, I, think, I think we tend to miss the fact that when you take a look at the workforce as a whole, there's about 150 million people in the U.S. workforce. Um, and, and there's two, I think, things that are happening. One is we know through years of Gallup research that the engagement of the U.S. workforce is not nearly, I mean, it's, it's at an abysmal level, and it's worse globally. Um, so the last numbers that came out, I think, were somewhere around 68 to 70 percent of those in the workforce are not engaged in their work, mm -hmm. and 24 percent of that group, so a quarter of that uh, 70 percent, is actively disengaged, literally working to consciously or subconsciously destroy the organizations they work for. They're literally rowing backwards. Mm. And, and, and that sounds like, you know, that's, that's, that's a, obviously not a positive uh, statistic, 
But I think there is a positive that can be had from that because if if we're talking about you know 70% of a workforce that's not engaged, what what would happen if 10% of that became more engaged? What would that do to the productivity? Because ultimately, again, are we talking about a jobs count here or are we talking about productive work that's being done? So I think we have a, really an opportunity without even changing the actual number of physical people to get, oh, more, to get, get more, more out, out to get more out. And, and in doing so, finding, you know, Adam Grant, I think, in his book, um, or maybe it was Daniel, uh, Daniel Pink on book Drive, talking about, you know, uh, autonomy and mastery and passion are the th three things that really drive people to be excellent at what they do. And work is a big part of everybody's life, right? So if we can help people uh, achieve their autonomy, their mastery, their passion in their work, uh, I think that helps. That obviously should help to reduce the lack of engagement of people in the work that they do, mm -hmm. right? So I think that's kind of, that's kind of Very one. Interesting. That's kind of one piece of it, and it doesn't it doesn't have anything to do with actually increasing the numbers. It's just using the numbers more, more productively, yeah. more effectively. I think, I think another piece to this is the growth of the freelance economy, the growth of gig, 1099, whatever we want to define it as, and people either choosing themselves, which I see a lot with, um, you know, I have a, a son who's in college and a daughter who will be uh, going to college next year and talking to them and their peers seeing the impacts of the recession in 2008 on their families and them saying, wait a minute, do I want, even if it's probably subconscious too, do I want to be put in a position where I don't have control? And I think a lot of, a lot of folks, not just younger folks, but are saying, hey, I need to take my skill sets and apply them in a lot of different ways, you know, work for eight companies at once rather than one job. Mm -hmm. um, so when you see that, happening and you see the growth of, of the freelance economy, which is about a third of the U.S. workforce today, and expected to grow even more, you start to say, oh, and by the way, the companies themselves, the established companies, don't want legacy costs. They don't want to have a big workforce, right? Mm -hmm. They'd rather contract out for specific sure. skills and projects. Okay, so if those things are happening, if we're not engaged, we don't have an engaged workforce to the level we want and the structure of the workforce is changing where it's not just, you know, the focus is 80% is on companies and 20% on individuals. Now I think it's a focus of 50% on companies and 50% of individuals that are acting as companies, right? Mm -hmm. What kind of job do we have in economic development? What should we be focusing on in our communities? I think we've, we've essentially needed to increase our work. <laughs> because there's more components to making our, needed to make our work successful in helping our communities be successful. I look at, at the issue that I've tried to propose now for some time, and that is it's more about attracting work than it is about attracting companies. Mm -hmm. So what we're really looking at is where do jobs come from? Well, jobs come from work. So what you're really looking for is if your goal is to create jobs, which many have that as their, as their, as their stated mission, it's more about attracting work that will create jobs. And right. Sometimes that work comes in the form of some company who has work that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. But the real question becomes, who has work that needs to get done? And, and, how, and what work can we do here that we can do globally competitive, that, that we can ship out of here, that will bring money back into our economy and make our economy grow? 
Yeah, and 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 you know the 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 construct we've worked under in economic development, and again it goes to where the incentive is. It's 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 you know most most organizations, most economic development organizations, nearly all are funded by the OPMs, the other people's money, mm -hmm. right? So so who gives the dollars to support that? It's the city government. It's the banker in town, right? It's it's individuals who are writing those checks and they want a return. And mm -hmm. the return that they want, if you're a city, is in increased property tax, mm -hmm. sales tax, those types of things. And a lot of times that requires that individual to live in that marketplace. So they'll focus on, hey, we need the companies because they hire those those people. Yep. But now things have kind of gotten flipped upside down because the work that's getting done for those companies is getting work being done for people all over the globe. How does the city measure the success of the investment it made when the people that are doing that work aren't buying groceries in that local community because mm -hmm. they live they live halfway across the world. But to the company, the individual they want to live in a community if they're the one who's like leading this idea, this work, okay, mm -hmm. we can call it a company, but leading all this work, they're looking for a community that provides things for them that historically companies provided, right? I mean, I think it was in the 1950, um, gentleman won um, Nobel Prize in Economics, um, Ronald Coase, I think is his name, uh, and it was all in the description of why are firms, why are they? Why are they created? And the firms were created to lower transaction costs, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's building trust within people within the organization uh, instead of everything being on legal contracts and other stuff. Well, now today, look how that's dispersed where one individual can get his accounting services here, can get you know financial, can get marketing, can get HR, and they're getting it from people all over the mm -hmm. world. And, and telecommun or technology has helped make that happen. You know, we were talking about um, uh, Bitcoin and about blockchain and how blockchain is going to really disrupt a lot of industries. Well, one of the reasons that blockchain can be successful is because there's a surety in, there's trust, mm -hmm. you know? So think about your community. Are you building a community of trust? Are you building a community of connectedness within and to other what I would call naturally nested economies around the world. That places that are um, people want to go visit, they may not want to live there. They know people who have skill sets there. They can reach out, they can build their network, whether it's nationally or globally. Uh, you know, it, all those things change the dynamics of what is measured as success for traditional economic development organizations. It is, it is, I mean, I think there's there's some there's going to be some major changes happening as people try to uh, adapt to what the market is already doing, mm -hmm. and we've got to figure out ways to help. I think people uh, see and identify that because we, we we do what we can measure, even if what we're measuring is only half of it, which is what's happening today. Mm -hmm. You know, if half the workforce is freelance, but we're only measuring half. We're only measuring half. That's that's. Uh, that's a lost opportunity. We've got to figure out how to capture it. Very cool. Joe, I want to thank you for your time today. It's, yeah. it's been a delight, as always. I've enjoyed our previous conversations and especially enjoyed your presentation here at the UEDA conference. Thanks, Dean. Thank you for taking yeah. the time today. Thanks for having me.